Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest series of vodcasts. And this is going to be on cardiac masses. This will probably be a two-part adventure where we're looking at some of the pearls and pitfalls of cardiac tumors. Now, it's important to remember that cardiac tumors typically are considered rare, but that is not as rare as one would think. Now, it is true that if you look at malignancies, metastasis are almost 40 times more common than primary tumors. But when you take metastasis and primary tumors together, it means you are going to see a number of tumors in your practice. Also, you're going to see things that simulate tumors like thrombi. So let's go through a number of different things. We'll look at an approach and we'll look at some really nice examples. So the first thing is, what's your approach to a cardiac mass? So first of all, is there a mass present? And if it's present, where is it? Is it in one of the cavities, left atrium, right atrium, left ventricle, IVC, going into the right atrium, or is it in the SVC, going into the right atrium? Does it extend along the great vessels? Does it arise from or involve the pericardium? Is it valvular or not? Are there any specific tissue characteristics? Is it very vascular? And one might think of metastatic renal cell carcinoma or an angiosarcoma. Or does it have calcifications? What's its attenuation? Is it fat or not? And is there any relevant clinical history? And of course, that truly applies specifically when uh, you might have metastatic disease. Now, when you think about an intracavitary mass, there are a number of things you can think about. Thrombi are not uncommon, particularly in the right atrium, related to catheters being in place for a while. You could talk about primary benign neoplasms like myxomas. An atrial myxoma is the most common one you will think about. Lipoma, rhabdomyomas, which are more common in children, and fibromas. We'll also think about primary malignant neoplasms, though they're rare. We'll think of things like angiosarcoma. We'll think about other sarcomas. We'll think about lymphoma. And then, of course, as I mentioned, metastatic disease is something you always will need to think about. Now, in terms of some of the factoids, primary tumors are rare. We all know that. But metastasis to the heart are 20 to 40 times more common. 75% of primary cardiac tumors are benign. Most commonly, they're myxomas. And 25% of primary cardiac tumors are malignant. And the most commonly, sarcomas. A good example might be an angiosarcoma. Now, the incidence is about 30 per 100,000 people per year. And as I mentioned, the majority of these are going to be benign. In patients older than 16 years, the most common primary cardiac neoplasms are myxomas, lipomatous tumors, and papillary fibroelastomas, which typically arise off the valve leaflet, specifically the aortic valve, and I'll show you some examples like that. And then, of course, if patients are younger, the most common tumors are rhabdomyomas, teratomas, fibromas, as well as myxomas. Now, in terms of clinical presentation, the most common presenting symptom of a cardiac tumor is dyspnea, but the manifestations of a neoplasm will depend on its location and its size. Uh, even benign cardiac tumors may cause obstruction of blood flow, such as a myxoma, decreased cardiac output, arrhythmia, or heart failure, and these complications can be fatal. In addition, systemic manifestations such as fatigue, anorexia, or fever may also be seen. And of course, think about lymphoma. Lymphoma can involve the heart, be primary in the heart, but most commonly when it involves the heart, you'll also see it in other solid organs. But again, that fatigue, anorexia, and fever are all possibilities. 
If you get a little bit more specific clinical presentations, systemic, okay, fever, weight loss, fatigue, almost like any other malignancy, as well as paraneoplastic syndromes, cardiac symptoms, because mass effect may interfere with myocardial function or blood flow, and so you can have arrhythmias, interference with heart valves causing regurgitation, or pericardial effusion with or without cardiac tamponade. Typical symptoms include dyspnea, chest discomfort, presyncope, or syncope. A third thing would be embolic. Pulmonary or systemic thromboemboli can arise from a tumor. We also could think about things that look like a tumor, like a pulmonary artery sarcoma. That's maybe not a cardiac tumor, but it's one of the key tumors in the heart, but arise in the pulmonary artery. So again, something to think about. This article nicely shows some of the different appearances. Uh, it's a breakdown from this article by Tiboli, which makes the point that you can look at a cardiac mass and kind of divide it up. They did the tumor thrombus vegetation structural. When they looked at tumors, they followed it from secondary to primary. Primary, they felt benign. They looked at age, they adult versus pediatric. When they had malignant, they looked at some of the possibilities. They also looked at some of the different imaging modalities from echo to cardiac MR to CT to PET and some of the advantages and disadvantages of each of those uh, modalities. They also looked at the different chambers and what you might think about. So for example, if you think about a pericardial process, typically we're thinking about maybe angiosarcoma, metastasis, lymphoma. You're talking about left atrium, you're thinking about myxoma, but again, thrombus, sarcoma, metastasis, lipoma, and the differential. And of course, you're thinking about valves, Besides thrombus and vegetations, when you get down to tumors, you're thinking about fibroelastomas. So again, many things we could think about. Certain areas are more common, left atrium for myxoma. Uh, I mentioned fibroelastoma, valves, but it's particularly the aortic valve. So location will be important to angiosarcoma, typically involves the region of the right atrium. So things I look at, once you have the CT findings, how large is the tumor? Is it single or is it multiple? Is it in a chamber or is it on the pericardium or extra cardiac structures invading into the heart? What about its morphology, its attachment, its margin, its infiltration, its tissue characteristics, fat, calcification, is it vascular or not? And of course, we always look at clinical correlation. Does the patient have a known malignancy? Does the patient have a catheter in place, which makes you think more of thrombus? or associated findings. I've had a number of cases with cardiac lymphoma, but I also saw lymphoma of the small bowel, or I saw lymphoma of the kidney or of the stomach. So that's very helpful. Now, when you look at some of the features in this article by Cassup, looking at malignant versus benign tumors, there's certain rules they had. They're not always perfect, but maybe they're reasonable. Malignant, typically multiple lesions. Okay, that's okay. And large, okay. Location, more common on the right side of the heart than left. That's probably because of angiosarcomas. Attachment, broad base for malignant, narrow stalk, more commonly benign. Enhancement, if there's more enhancement, you've got to think more toward malignancy. If margins are irregular, if there's infiltration, if there's metastasis or effusion, you've got to be thinking about malignancy again. And of course, calcification is rare, except in 
processes like osteosarcoma. So let's look at some of the various tumors. Cardiomyxoma. Myxoma is the most common primary cardiac tumor, accounting for up to 50% of cases in some series. Typically affects middle-aged adults in the 30 to 60 year of range, a higher prevalence in women. The majority of cases are located in the left atrium, attached to the fossa ovalis by a thin stalk. The less common locations include the right atrium, IVC, ventricles, and the valve leaflets. So again, if I'm thinking about a mass in the left atrium, three to five centimeters near the fossa ovalis, I gotta be thinking cardiac myxoma. They're the most common primary tumors. They're believed to be derived from mesenchymal cell precursors. They typically form intracavitary masses, which, as we mentioned, are often on a stalk. They can flip-flop if you were doing a 4D display. Sometimes if you have a ASD, they can go through an ASD. Uh, they're associated with Carney syndrome, but that's fairly uncommon. And I mentioned the mean age of diagnosis is 30 to 60 with a mean of about 50, and more than 70% or so occur within women. This article by Kassoff, they also make the point that the majority, more than two-thirds, are smooth or lobular shape with the remainder villous in appearance. When seen in non-contrast scans, they're hypodense, consistent with blood. Occasionally, they'll calcify. On contrast-enhanced scans, they're shown as intracavitary filling defects with heterogeneous enhancement, but the intensity of the enhancement is variable, but it's not what I would consider hypervascular. They're often these low attenuation, smooth lesions. Again, calcifications can occur, but in most series, it's a small number under 15%. And when they do calcify, it's more common in right-sided lesions. And arterial phase enhancement is typically not present. Occasionally, you can see a little bit of enhancement on delayed phase imaging. So again, we're thinking about myxoma, we're thinking about location, left atrial appendage at the intraatrial septum. Relatively smooth most of the time, can be mobile, minimal if any enhancement, okay? Now, the challenge of course is, most of the time their incidental findings are the times they present with cardiac symptoms, and they even can obstruct the AV valve. Although CT may not be the preferred method to characterize the lesions, the typical findings on CT allow you to make the diagnosis, and it's the most common study to make the diagnosis. So in terms of clinical presentation, specifically myxomas, valvular obstruction 40%, constitutional symptoms 30%, and embolic events 30%. So really, it's all over the spectrum. And again, here's how one of them would typically look. And again, well-defined, calcifications are, you know, here I say 50%, it's more like 15%. Some articles have said 50, but those were older articles with smaller numbers of cases. The enhancement is minimal, again, prolapse can occur, and it's left atrium. So here we go. Here's a beautiful example of a slightly irregular lesion, perfect location by the fossa ovalis. You can see it there on the uh, opacification of the left atrium, very nicely shown. And when you reverse the display, you can see slight irregularity in the patient's tumor, just a beautiful example of an atrial myxoma. Here it is in the coronal views. And here it is on the sagittal views. Another example, 
Here's a case with minimal calcification, a much larger atrial myxoma, but the same location. The mass is a large filling defect in the left atrium, maybe minimal enhancement, very minimal calcification. Here's a few more images, very nicely showing you the lesion. If you think about a differential diagnosis, you can have metastasis to the left atrium, but usually it's something that will extend along the vessels, not an intraluminal mass like this. And the smooth nature of the lesion really does push you to the right diagnosis of atrial myxoma. I do like the image on your left, which is when I reverse the 3D to make black blood, basically. And you can see the lesion very nicely. You can see how large it is. Another example, here's a patient with a large hiatal hernia, but you see evidence of an atrial myxoma right there. This is obviously much smaller than the prior case. This is a bit over a centimeter. But location, perfectly positioned, relatively smooth margins, classic again for left atrial myxoma. And here it is very nicely on the cinematic rendering. We have been doing some cinematics on these patients. It's a good way of looking inside the chamber when you do black blood images, as you can see here. So that's a very nice way of thinking about atrial myxoma. And here it is again, just you can make some really, really nice images but I think it really accentuates the point that it's a broad-based lesion on the wall of the left atrium, slightly irregular, intraluminal, classic for atrial myxoma. And here's just one more set of views. Now, the question often comes up, atrial myxoma versus thrombus. And there was an article published a while back that looked at basically seven findings. Attenuation, size, left versus right atrium, origin of mass, lesion shape, lesion mobility, and occurrence of prolapse. So in terms of attenuation, thrombus and myxoma did not have any significant difference. Most thrombi do not enhance. In terms of size, myxomas are usually larger. Thrombi are often small. You can see large thrombi, but typically they're in the two centimeter or so or less range. There's no difference from left to right atrium, though I have to admit, in patients with catheters in place, it's more common to get thrombi in the right atrium than in the left atrium. The origin of the mass, thrombi, if you think about the left atrial appendage, that's a really good location. You typically don't see myxomas in the atrial appendage, but you will see thrombi. And again, we've had some cases we've shown you of uh, atrial appendage thrombi, and the whole Watchman device is used to put in there to prevent any complications from those thrombi. We talk about shape. Villus shape is more common in myxomas. Mobility, myxomas commonly are more mobile. If you do a 4D display, they tend to flop more. And occurrence of prolapse, there is no difference. So you can see some of the things can be helpful. I guess if you see something in the left atrial appendage, Based on location, you could say it's likely a thrombus and not a myxoma, but most of the other features aren't all that helpful. Now, here's another case. Here we see a filling defect in the patient's right atrium. So you wonder, what is this? Could it be a myxoma? Yes. Could it be a thrombus? Yes. Here it is again on the coronal view. This patient had had a prior catheter in place, and this was a thrombus. You can see why it can be difficult to distinguish this from a myxoma. And here it is very nicely with the intraluminal display with black blood on the right. Another patient. Here it's a lot easier. The patient has fever and short of breath. 
you see a filling defect in the right atrium, but you notice it's right where the tip of a catheter is. And this is just a beautiful example because you see the thrombus. It's hypovascular, it's smooth, but it's attached to the catheter. And that's a classic example, beautifully shown with cinematic rendering of a thrombus in the right atrium at the tip of the catheter. So if you have a catheter in place, it obviously makes the diagnosis much easier. And this is just a beautiful example of that. Now, sometimes you don't have a thrombus and a catheter. Sometimes the catheter has been removed a few days earlier. But if you have a history of recent catheterization, I would really be thinking about thrombus as my first diagnosis, even without looking at the images. And again, a few very nice images. Now, what else are we thinking about? Well, what about papillary fibroelastomas? When we talk about things that involve valves, <clears throat> we commonly think about plaque, right? You talk about plaque, you talk about endocarditis, but you need to think about fibroelastoma. It is the third most common primary benign cardiac tumor. They account for up to 75% of all cardiac valvular tumors and affect men and women equally with a mean age of 60. They're characterized by a collection of avascular fronds of dense connective tissue lined by endothelium and may arise from any endocardial surface. The majority found on the atrial, um, on the aortic rather, and mitral valves, most commonly on the aortic valve. Average size is about a centimeter. This article by Ya made the point they're benign tumors. The important thing is recognizing them and at times, if you don't have gated studies, you're going to miss them. Here's a nice example. And look at the motion on this case. Look at the patient's aorta. That's on the aortic valve. You could see it very nicely moving to and fro on the 4D display. And here it is again as I uh, go from the uh, axials over to the coronal display. You can see it very nicely. There it is, and you can see how it attaches to the aortic valve. The endoluminal views with black blood are particularly good at looking at these lesions. I think it's a very nice way of looking at them. It makes it easy to recognize them. So you can see a very classic fibroelastoma there. And again, um, it's something you should be able to recognize. Another patient with chest pain, similar finding. You can see this small lesion on the resonometer arising from the aortic valve leaflet. Here it is again. Other tumors in the heart? Well, I'll tell you what. Cardiac lipomas are the second most common tumor, but let's save cardiac lipomas for the second part of this talk, and let's come right back. After we get a drink, bye. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.